0: We are back with a new episode of the MMA Report podcast. I am Jason Floyd. That is my guy, Daniel Gavon. As always, we appreciate you taking time out of your day. Download, listen to this episode of podcast. Whether you listen to us on the podcasting platforms, or if you're checking us out on YouTube, or if you're checking out the clips I do put out there on my Twitter profile, or I guess, I I guess I should say my X. Do I, Daniel? It's always going to be Twitter, me. I'm not calling it X.
1: Yeah, in the Associated Press, they say you can write it down in your news articles as X comma formerly known as Twitter, because no one calls it X. No one's like, can you do an X? Nah, it's can you tweet at me? Can you do a re-X? Nah, I retweet. Twitter sticks. It's not going to go away, Elon. I don't care what you call your damn application.
0: Yeah, even though I will tell you this, man, I really do like that whole uh, for you section on, on Twitter because I feel like I just get the sense of, Hey, here's what I've missed over the last 24 hours. So it's like really great because I'm just, I'm not as active on Twitter as I once was where I always be on Twitter. So it's just one of those things. I'm like, okay, cool. I have been able to, I, I now know what's going on uh, in, in terms of the world. of. Do, do, you know arts. why
1: X isn't going to stick? Why is because that? It's already a freaking letter. All right. X already has an entire history of the world of being a letter. It's not a new brand. The audacity that Elon Musk is like, we're just going to take over one of the letters. That's just going to be our brand now as X. Like, bro, Mark Zuckerberg better not start calling Facebook B. All right. The audacity that Elon Musk thinks my brand is a letter. Like, no, bro. That letter was around before you were born. It was around before they founded this country in 1776. It was around in in, in the old motherland, I'm pretty sure. The audacity that we're just going to be X and screw you. I'm going to make Twitter my X social media
0: (laughs) platform that I use yeah man like i rarely go on threads anymore i, I probably should be going on threads and, and putting some content out there but just something i just i, I really don't do it probably maybe may because threads uh maybe it's not integrated into sprout social which is what i use in terms of my, my social media out there but uh but yeah it's uh it's wednesday morning here just a little after uh, 9 a.m here uh here in the Tampa bay area of course uh eight o'clock there in the rio Grande. of course uh Since, you know, me and Daniel are both in, uh, we're prime hurricane season, man. I I mean, I know you just dealt with the the tropical storm there over the last 24 hours. I don't know if you've been looking at the Atlantic, Daniel. We got some storms coming.
1: Yeah, it's like all of a sudden it was a nice little summer, a decent July, and business is picking up, man. It's a little scary, and uh, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you see in California they got one. (laughs)
0: no 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 no! did you happen to see the Burt Kreischer uh I don't know if you put on Twitter or I think I saw on his Instagram where he's like he's like oh the hurricane and he he goes he goes let me walk outside so I show my floor to people we're dealing with he goes we got a good rainstorm
1: that is true that is but you know what for those people out there they don't know what that's like you know they're used to the earthquakes which they did get one in the middle of the hurricane but for us, that's more of the norm. We're used to that stuff, but it's never fun. Never fun to lose power. Never fun for flooding. Never fun to, you know, it's hard to sleep when the winds are roaring, but uh, fortunately the tropical storm just moved north of me when it was going to hit. And uh, hopefully that stuff in the Atlantic doesn't get to us, doesn't get to you. But, uh, yeah, it's like it can be Sunday, and by Tuesday it's just a completely different week because you got to get ready for a hurricane on Thursday.
0: Oh, I know, I know, man. But uh, of course, uh, I know you had some wrestle. You had a wrestling match this past weekend. Uh, I know I've seen you put some stuff there uh, on your social media. How, how do we? Uh, how do we? What was this like match? Like 13, 14? Are we up to fifteen yet?
1: Literally, literally ooh. oh crap! I think it's fourteen. I, I actually write it down, but I don't number them. But I believe fourteen because I, I believe the one before was unlucky number thirteen. So uh, fourteen later day, I have match fifteen. In Alamo, Texas, in a fatal four-way match. Um, the 14th match was in Edinburgh. It was in a different type of show. It was in a Lucha Libre show. Okay. So a much different crowd. They react to different things. They react to the Luchador style. Um, Lucha Libre show also means on the flyer. The show says it starts at 8, but don't start to like 9.30, 10 o'clock. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. It's, just, it's a whole different world when you're wrestling on that type of show. Uh-huh. Your opponents change. It's not like your basic American psychology. You get chopped a lot. There's a lot of suicide dives. Um, but overall, it was a pretty good experience, but I'm excited to I, – I lost per usual, which is fine. I mean, that's what your boy is going to be doing for a couple years. But, um, yeah, fatal four-way match going up against a guy named Nightmare. It, it, he's like 300 pounds a uh, muscular dude named Blackheart and a guy named Danny Chance. So we'll see what happens. Should be fun. Hopefully it doesn't rain. But I know you were in New York, bro. You were in Yankee Stadium. What were the sights and sounds of uh, of the Big
0: Apple? First off, we'll, we'll, you know, I'll, I'll get to this. Let me just say this. The streets in New York City are wild, bro. I'm I'm gonna tell you here in a moment some things I saw Saturday Sunday. The streets are wild, but yeah, uh, got into uh, into New Jersey on uh, on Friday afternoon and went uh, went into the city and saw the Yankees game. And uh, so we get down there early, like like three o'clock in the afternoon. So y- you know what was going on at that point. <laughs> so we, we find this bar, like literally across the street from Yankee Stadium. I want to say it was called the Dugout, and we get in. The guy's like, "Hey man, there's a there's a bigger bar in the back. Go back there. There's plenty of room." All right. So we walk back in there. So we're sitting there, you know, ordering around Stellas. I uh, look behind me. There is a window for Taco Bell in this bar. So oh, there's man. a a, t- a Taco Bell on the on the other side there's literally a window there where you could place an order. I'm like, this is goddamn genius. Could you imagine? You're out with your fellas, maybe you're out with your lady. It's a Friday, Saturday night, you know, it's a little later in the night. You're getting a little hungry. You're sitting in the bar and you can just go, Hey, get that Uber. Oh, I'm gonna get my Taco Bell right here. We'll take it right to the Uber. That's- genius.
1: No, I mean, that's a genius idea. How this isn't in a common situation is beyond me. I mean, that has to be the most profitable Taco Bell in the entire country, because there's not a single person that spent a night at that bar that isn't leaving with the bag of, of tacos in hand. I mean, that's that's genius. It, it, it's, it makes way more sense than those like really weird Taco Bell, Long John Silver stores combinations I see. Combine a Taco Bell with the bar, it, that Taco Bell franchise owner is literally probably a millionaire.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, what you know, obviously I'm not a Yankees fan, but it was really cool going to Yankee Stadium. One of the things I noticed, because when we got, we got in probably the stadium <laughs> like, I don't know, probably about an hour and a half before the game started. And we were just kind of walking around. The thing that, that stuck out to me, and I I've been to, uh, I want to say this has been now the fourth MLB park I've been to. I've been to obviously the TROP. Uh, I've been to Arizona Stadium, Minnesota, now Yankees. So I've been to four MOB stadiums. So one thing that noticed me is we were walking around like every five minutes you walked was a team shop. I mean, there was a team shop everywhere in it. Uh, but man, it was cool, man. Got a got a basically a bucket of boneless wings. Really, really good, you know, but had yeah. had a great time. But so after the game on on Saturday night, I I you know go into the city after got done working. And uh, you know we we you know hopping around town and we're walking down the street, and so I hear this other guy go yelling at this other guy to stop it. So I look ahead. This dude has kind of got his pants halfway down. Dude is walking and peeing, and you can see the line.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> he That's a wild, yourself- bro. <laughs> what time was it? It was probably about one a.m.
1: I mean, it makes sense. 1 a. M., I, but, dude,
0: uh, I mean, dude is literally like, you, you know, you can clearly tell he's pissing he, and he is walking in somewhat of a straight line and you just see the trail of him pissing. And I'm like, we ain't Tampa anymore, bro.
1: No, you're not. Yeah. This is like, uh, this is like Alice in Wonderland, you know, or you ain't in Kansas anymore. That's wizard of Oz, uh, yeah, I don't understand the concept of walking and peeing. I mean, I don't understand the concept of peeing with your pants down in the public streets of New York in the first place, but to do that and add on the difficulty of walking and peeing is absurd to me. Like, just stand there for a moment. You know why? Why? And you know, I'm beginning to question this guy's um, logic here. But, I,
0: uh, I'm yeah. I'm going to imagine might have been a homeless person. Sunday, I see two things that just. Well Why is he rushing?
1: <laughs> why is he? Why is he rushing? Why Why is anybody rushing? I,
0: I'm that? sorry, Taylor. I, did, I, I, did, I didn't want to be a reporter and go up to him and say, hey, man, can we get a play-by-play of what just happened here?
1: I, I mean, I, logically, just stand there for a moment and let it go. You know, I, I'm not even talking about the public urination part, which I'm pretty sure is illegal, but I just don't understand the combination of public urination and travel. Like, just, just wait a minute. You
0: know? I, I, yeah, I don't know. So on Sunday <laughs> – There was a a Popeyes I saw, and we look over. Uh This dude is shirtless. Let's just say you can see crack as well, meaning the butt crack, and he's just sitting there at the counter ordering his Popeyes, and then we're walking down the street, and I did a double take. Homeboy is sitting on the sidewalk rolling a joint. Hey, man. I know it's I know it's legal in New York, but still it's one of those things of even though I'm very pro marijuana, I just looked over and go, Oh yeah, that guy is rolling a J
1: That seems like a pretty fun combination, honestly. You know, some chicken and some vegetables. Uh, that uh, you know that I'm glad you made it back to Florida. Uh, but it seems I like it's all like, the like, whole people, of New York.
0: People think us Floridians are crazy. I, I know Florida man's crazy, but man, them them streets are wild up in NYC. <laughs> Uh, they're they're wild. Y'all are crazy
1: though. I mean, y'all got people whose jobs are just to hunt pythons over there. So, I mean, y'all uh, yeah. are your own no, crazy.
0: No, no. Uh, dude, you if you see a, if I see a snake, m- my scared ass is run the other goddamn way. It's like like these people who 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 uh, try to attack uh, wrestle alligators. There is something wrong with you. There yeah. is something wrong with you.
1: Yeah, the alligator has a significant advantage in that it can bite your head off immediately.
0: Yeah, you know? I, I'm is, not is playing it, with that. I'm not playing with that, man. No. If, if I'm at a park and it says "warning alligators in the area," see you later. I'm done.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got I, I remember,
0: dude. I remember a couple years ago, I was walking, walking my dog at the park, and someone's like, "Hey, just FYI, the alligator's right there." I'm like, "All right, we're, we're pouncing the other way."
1: <laughs> we're going to the car. Yeah, I, I don't mess
0: around. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Walks over.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: we're getting in the car. <laughs>
1: I agree with you. I don't mess around with wildlife that can end me, you know. I, I just, I don't do it. That's like, uh, you know, it's guaranteed not a good time. Not a good time at all.
0: But, uh, you know, UFC 292 did take place this past week. Let's get into the Mixed Martial Arts conversation. That's what people download this episode for uh, The Sugar Show here, baby. The Sugar Show is here. I mean, and I, to me, one of the biggest takeaways from this really has to do the after effect. A... The way Aljo handled this, I mean, there's these times in sport where you've seen a a champion lose their belt, and they just go out there and just they handle the class and give Aljo credit, and and just how transparent he was with everything here, Daniel. But the other thing is the fact of we're talking about a main event UFC pay per view where literally. Not that long after this fight is over, the UFC's got the entire ending sequence on their YouTube page. And I was looking this morning, that video almost has 8 million views at this point.
1: I mean, simply put, Sean O'Malley has the potential to be the biggest star in the UFC. He has that potential. He has that outlandish character that resonates with non-UFC fans. The type of character and personality that just people who don't watch this sport are aware of because of his colorful hair, colorful personality, great name and fun fighting style. He can be the next Conor. He probably will not be as big as Conor McGregor. And the reason why I say that is Conor was just a lot bigger when he won the championship versus when Sean did. But at the end of the day, hats off to Sean O'Malley, man. He always had an incredible amount of potential in my eyes, but in back-to-back fights, I picked him to lose. In back-to-back fights, I thought he was going to lose to Peter Yon. I thought he was going to lose to Aljamain Sterling. In back-to-back fights, he has won it, and he solidified himself as the best 135er in the world.
0: And I'll give kudos to my guy, Pete Rogers Jr. He actually he picked Sean O'Malley to win, and, and just a beautiful counter right hand that Sean O'Malley lands And I, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter or not, or X, uh, is comparing the Connor knockout of Jose Aldo and in and comparing this, just how similar they looked. I mean, it's just a beautiful shot. I mean, you talked about the fact of Sugar stops the takedowns in the, in the first round. And just a, a, a beautiful counter combination. I mean, lands it straight on the jaw. And I, I saw some people talking about early stoppage. I have zero issues with the stoppage. I, I, I mean, I know that maybe we live in a mindset where people want to see the fire truly go out. But, like, I have zero issues with the stoppage here by Mark Goddard.
1: Yeah, especially when the way Aljo turns after that initial punch where it doesn't appear to be intelligent defense, it appears to be escaping an onslaught of strikes. It was an early stoppage in terms of it happened really soon after the knockdown, but to me it was a justified stoppage, and based on the lack of complaint from the former champion, I think we got ourselves a good stoppage. Um, It's... Impressive what Sean did, specifically what you mentioned, his defensive wrestling, because that was going to be the great equalizer. That was going to be what led to Sterling having a fairly easy victory, is putting Sean on his back and out-grappling him. Sean shocked off all the takedowns. He shocked off all the wrestling. That was a major question mark heading into this fight. We've seen Aljo wrestle Cejudo and have success. For Sean to be able to defend that wrestling, That lets you know he's going to be able to hold this championship against most opponents because his stand up is really at a different level. It's that fight ending ability where he's just playing a different ball game.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and I talked about the fact of just how transparent Alderman Sterling was after this fact, and um, you know, I think it really kind of leads into a lot of questions. I mean, you know, look, look. Coming into this fight, he was talking about this fight as being his last fight at, at one hundred thirty five pounds. He's going to move up to one forty five, you know. And he, and he makes the comments about the fact of, hey, if if Sean O'Malley can do this, what can what can Alexander Volkanovsky do to me? I mean, it, it's you got. I mean, it's one of those things where we got to give Sean O'Malley a lot of credit for what he was able to do, you know. In terms of what it's going to be, I'm fascinated to see what the UFC does next with Sean O'Malley. He are you talking about, you know? Potentially being a part of that December pay per view, whether it's the main event or the co-main event, maybe we'll talk about Conor McGregor here a little bit later on the show. But to me, it's going to be interesting to see how what is the path the UFC goes. Like I feel like if I'm the UFC now, while Mirab or Corey Sandhagen are the most deserving challengers for the next title shot, and and I don't think you know because of how that knockout was, I don't think that Aljo should get an immediate rematch, even though, you know, his history as a champion, maybe you can kind of make a case for that. But I think kind of just the way the fight goes, Aljo doesn't get the rematch here. But, like, if I'm in Dana White's shoes, I'm in Hunter Campbell, Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby's shoes, and I'm saying, all right, guys, as we look at us as a UFC promotion, what makes the most sense? To me, what makes the most sense, while he may not deserve the title shot here, and I don't think he deserves it, but we have a storyline here, Of I think the smart move here to UFC is to go Sean O'Malley's first title defense is against Cheeto Vera.
1: Look, I think that makes a lot of sense for the UFC. I think that makes a lot of sense for Sean O'Malley. And I think the thing you're not saying here is the reason why the Marlon Vera fight makes sense more so than the uh, Morav fight makes sense is because Sean can win that fight pretty pretty likely. Even though he lost that first fight to Vera... Sean more than likely is going to win that rematch. The thing that we're not saying, if he fights Murab next, who is the rightful challenger, he will lose probably. He There is a high probability that Sean is going to lose to Murab. And the Sugar Show that promises to rain down all this money on the UFC's champion will already be closed for business. In my mind, there is no other person on the planet that deserves that championship fight more than Murab. Way more than Corey Sandhagen, in my opinion. Morap has just, to me, established himself as the best mm-hmm. bantamweight without mm-hmm. the championship. For fights in a row, he deserves that shot from a sporting standpoint. He, though, can end the money train of Sean. And when you have a fight like Cheeto Vera that has a story that Sean is calling out that will likely be a stand-up contest, it is a no-brainer to try and get that booked in December. And look, let's look at the last couple of fights from these guys. Sam Hagen, um, his last fight you know, was impressive what he did, but if you had to watch it, you would probably need to grab a knife and poke your eyes out because that fight was more boring than freaking watching. I don't even know what, you know, um, freaking, prior,
0: prior uh, to that was a split decision win against Cheeto. And then prior to that was a fourth round stop, uh, a fourth round stoppage against Song, you know.
1: and then Cheeto yeah, fights Pedro Munoz on Saturday night. If Pedro, If that same fight happened and Pedro Munoz got his hand raised, it wouldn't be that big of a stunner. That was a close fight. Rounds 1 and Rounds 2 were close. Could have gone either way. So it was not like Cheeto Vera convincingly stamped himself as a contender. That being said, Sean wants this fight. UFC wants this fight. Cheeto O'Malley, I know it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, from um, a UFC business aspect, I just think it makes the most sense. Um, you know, may, maybe you do Marab versus Corey Sandhagen. I mean, look, if you're Corey Sandhagen, you're probably sitting there going, "I just beat Mar- Cheeto Vera. I should be the guy." By, uh, by the way, I don't know if uh, I don't know if I sent sent the video to you or not. There was a, a clip the UFC put out of the fighters reacting to the uh, victory by Sean O'Malley. Dude, Alex Bahia never shows any emotion. I mean, we just saw a great knockout. He is just sitting there dead like nothing's going on.
1: Yeah, I don't know what what's going on with him. I don't know how he's not reacting, but uh, he's he's a different dude, man. He is a different dude with Glover in his corner. But I think Corey, bro, goes to show you what happens when you fight bad, when you have a boring fight. Because if he had a good fight against Rock Font he would be no doubt the guy fighting for this championship. If the fight against Rob Font was a fight of the night last time out, I think it's Sanhagen O'Malley all day. Because Sanhagen gives you that, oh, this is gonna be a great fight with Sean, And he has a little bit more of an impressive resume given he just beat Cheeto. So that goes to show you that sometimes in winning, it won't do much to your career because the UFC's kinda created that environment where you gotta perform well, right? You gotta wanna fight like Cody Gibson and uh, Katona, where they delivered an amazing fight. That you gotta be, you know, do your your tribute to the Bonner Griffin Tough One finale. That's how you gotta fight. Because Corey fought safe, despite winning, the win really didn't do much for his stock.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would look be at
1: stunned. If you he know, fights next to title.
0: Like you mentioned, Cody Gibson doesn't go out there and get the whim, puts on a great fight, and after the fight, uh. I, I, I want to say it was Oscar Willis. Maybe ask Dana White about it. Dana White's like, "Yeah, man, we're we're bringing this guy in. I mean, you go out there and do what he did, you know." But the question is, is what do you do with Aljo next? Let's just say he stays at thirty five. Okay, let's just say you do Sean O'Malley versus um, Cheeto Vera. Obviously, Aljo and Marab are not going to fight each other. You want to see them fight? Go watch them in the training room. You Aljo just fought Cejudo does have the win against Corey Sanhagen, was a while ago. We've seen the Yan fight countless times. Now, then we're getting into Rob Font, Sonny Dong, Dom Cruz, Munoz, Umar Namarga-Madoff. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I would guess that, I mean, like, if you booked Mirab versus Corey, I know both of them are coming off of injuries. I don't know where you book Aljo next.
1: Jason, I know you're looking at 135. I know Aljo's looking at 135. He's going to fight at 145. I'll tell you why. A, a, a minute after getting knocked out, you kind of get a little scared about 145. A week after losing, you get scared about making that weight cut again. And I think the more Aldo gets away from this loss and the more he thinks about what it's going to take to cut down at 135, he's going to talk himself into cutting to 145, in my opinion. I think he's going to look at Marab in that gym and be like, it's his turn to be champion. And I think he's going to move to 145. At 135, there is not a sexy fight to make. Mm-hmm. There just isn't. You know, To me, the sexiest possible matchup for Aljo is Cejudo rematch. Um, I think you put him at 145, you look at a name like Brian Ortega. Is he ready to come back from that shoulder injury? That is a juicy matchup. Ortega very Sterling. Ortega welcoming Aljo to 145, Jason. My bet is Aljamain Sterling is going to move to featherweight.
0: Okay. I mean, look, and there's a lot of options there. And, I mean, Joe Rogan, he commented on the broadcast. He's like, you know, uh, Aljo is probably the best weight character we have in MMA. I mean, this is a guy that just can't make mistakes. I mean, there, there's a lot of options there. I mean, you know, maybe if he wants a tune-up fight at 145, maybe, maybe you look at some of those guys, say, ranked, uh, let's say, 7 and below. So you got Calvin Kate or... Of course, Zombie Fights, Max Holloway, coming up here uh, on Saturday. You got Judge Kaze, Evalev, Mitchell, uh, Sadiq, Ige, Barboza, Cesarius. I mean, mayb- maybe it's a guy like a Dan Ige because that's clearly a fight you could headline, say, say a UFC Apex card. So we'll see what happens there. Co-main event. Zhang Wali, man, she looked amazing. I mean, just looked amazing. When you and it's crazy when you look at the stats of this fight, of what she was able to do. I mean, I know from a DFS player, she went out there and scored 190 points in this one. She has she's six of seven in takedowns, has 16 minutes of control times, lands 296 total strikes. In comparison. Amanda Lamos, outside of that one submission attempt she almost got, she only landed 29 strikes in 25 minutes of fighting. And I heard someone else say this, and I think it's an interesting debate right now. Who is, is Wei Li the best female fighter in the UFC currently? You look, Shevchenko is obviously coming off that loss. We'll see what happens in, in the rematch against Grosso coming up next month there on, on September the 16th. And I think there is a very much, uh, you know, you got Julianne Payne at 135. We'll see what kind of shapes out with that division there. If you if you sit there and say Wei Lee is the best female fighter currently in the UFC, I don't have a big argument for you.
1: Yeah, right now in the UFC pound for pound rankings, they have Grosso number one, Lee's number two, Shevchenko's number three, and the woman of two wins over 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 uh, over over is, is number four, and Rose Namajunas. Yeah. I think Lee is the best football in the. <laughs> Sorry, I had a damn sneeze attack I'm trying to make my <laughs> Zang Lee point and the good Lord's giving me uh, some boogers. Look, here's why Zang's better than Grosso. She's more well-rounded. Zang obviously is a phenomenal striker, but we saw, hey, bro, I'm just going to go out there and, like, out-wrestle the hell out of you against Amanda Lemos. Like, Amanda Lemos is a hell of a challenger, and I, and Zang dominated that. And as good as Grosso is as champion, I can't imagine her having a performance like that against a fellow top-five contender in her weight class. Yes. Zhang is the best female fighter in the UFC. With the void that has been created with Amanda retiring and Chevchenko with that loss, Zhang Wei Li is probably going to go on a hell of a run here at 34 years of age. I don't see too many people that can go out there and contend with uh, her, and she may put together one of the more underrated UFC careers of all
0: time. There's one name that sticks out to me. Hit me. Tatiana Suarez.
1: That's a good fight, my man. Do you think that's next? Do you think that's what we're going with next?
0: Okay, here's uh, now this becomes the business aspect of the UFC. At the end of the day, the UFC is a business. Do you? No, as a combat sports consumer, I would love to see Whaley's next title defense be against Tatiana Suarez. And I know that the UFC matchmakers have basically told Suarez, "You got to pick a division." You're either a 115-er or you're 125. 115 would be the clear path to a, a, a potential media tile shop. But let's say Wei Li wants a fight, let's say January, February, and the UFC can put a show on in China. What if it's her versus Yan Jinan?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I think those are the two most likely fights. And if I had a guess, Jason... I'm going with Zhang and Yan as the fight in China. I think that's the fight to make there. Suarez is going to be there. Um, I, I think Yan and Suarez, and you look at those rankings, those are the two fighters trending upwards. So you look at kind of the rest, they're either neutral or trending downwards in terms of Rose, Carla, Lemos, Andrade, Jandaroba, Rodriguez. Dern is the other one trending upwards. Dern is probably the type of challenger that will face her after the Suarez fight.
0: So, by the way, just a, a, a separate point, as you mentioned about Mackenzie Dern. I have to question Jessica Andrade's management. She's lost three in a row. Erin Blanchfield, Jan Janan, Tatiana Suarez, and now she's booked to fight Mackenzie Dern in November. What are they doing? I'm sorry. That is bad management. Like, it, I get why the UFC wouldn't put that fight together. But for the Andrade's management to go ahead with that fight, let's say we're kind of had no, had no other options. I, I just I don't get what Jessica Andrade's management is doing to put her their client in her best position to succeed.
1: I mean, it was just a couple of fights ago where it looked like Jessica Andrade was one of the best fighters in this weight class, and she's now taking on three of the toughest fighters in the weight class, three losses in a row, and has looked really bad in all three. And she's now going in there against someone else. Granted with Mackenzie Dern, I mean, that's the most likely fight to win out of the Suarez-Jean-Blanchfield situation. But that is not a fight I favor her at all because she has just looked listless in her performances. So I wasn't even aware that fight was booked till you just mentioned it. And uh, yeah, Jason, that's absurd.
0: Yeah, I saw it the other day, and I was just—it was one of those things when I saw it, it pop up. I was just like, "Why?" Like, it's one of those things of like, and and maybe, maybe the UFC basically made it known of like, hey, if you don't take this fight, you're not going to fight till maybe 2024 what not but like it was just one of those things that stuck out to me but you know and of course I mean look you got you got Rose now fighting at 125 we'll see if that sticks or if she comes back to 115 so uh we'll we'll see what happens there uh you know look another star of UFC 292 is obviously Ian Gary. what he went out there and did just a great performance uh 30-24 was one of the scorecards in this one against Neil magni looks ab- absolutely amazing of course, was supposed to fight Jeff Neal in this card. I mean, look, Ian Gary is going to be in a major matchup in his next one. I mean, he—if you told me they give him a top five guy, I wouldn't be shocked.
1: It's about that time Ian Gary went up against Neil Magny and kicked his leg out of his leg. Ian Gary's gone out there won six in a row early on in his UFC run. There were some questions about his performances. I had those questions. He answered him, and he said, hey, bro, I'm ready to fight a top welterweight. If he fights a top five welterweight, Jason, like you, don't color me shocked. It's time to supercharge this guy. He's got a great personality, great attitude, a real charisma about him, exhibits similar potential as a star that we saw out of Sean O'Malley. And I think he's on that track. Who's next for him? Well, let's make it a stand-up fight. Maybe. Let's give him that Stephen Thompson matchup. Uh, Wonderboy turned
0: for. it down. Dana White after said they offered it to him, and Wonderboy turned it down.
1: Damn. Well, I for sure would not want to put Ian Gary against Shavka Rahmanov. Uh How about Gilbert Burns?
0: I, I mean, look, it, it Burns jeff neal uh obviously jeff's gotta you know get through the health issues that he's he's gotta deal with i mean like look there's a lot of interesting matches i mean yeah you know, just looking at this top 10 welterweight division it's like okay vicente luke is coming off a great win against rda you got sean brady sitting there uh you know then the, you start going above you know stephen thompson I mean, if you're stephen thompson i feel like man look like if, if you truly believe that you can be welterweight champion he, a, a win against Ian Gary is going to propel you into another big fight. you got Palal sitting there, Hamzat sitting there as well. I mean, you know, of course, Hamzat guy, Of is he a 70er, is he 85er? My guess he's probably going to be more of an 85er than he is a 70er. But, I mean, I, I think that you're going to see him in, in a major matchup, and, and he showed that he was a star. Another note on UFC 292 is Chris Weidman. man. I'm with Dana. I, I, and I, And I hate to be the guy that say I'd like to see a guy retire, but I'm with Dana. I'd like to see Chris retire.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was a fight that, in hindsight, it was kind of a bad matchup. I, I In the first part, I was like, oh, Brad Tavares, that's a great opponent. And I was like, oh, I forgot. Brad Tavares has absurdly good takedown defense. Maybe should have put him up against somebody with a little less stellar takedown defense so that Chris would be able to go to that. Yeah, Chris looks slow. Chris isn't going to be able to fight at that UFC level. Can't blame him. He's nearly 40 years old, and he went through a catastrophic injury. Mm -hmm. He's got the heart of a warrior, and his heart is being let down by his body. And it's a sad thing to see. But unless he's going to fight an absolute cupcake in his next UFC fight so he can get his hand raised, I also agree with you and Dana. It's just the body is just failing him, and it's sad to see. But it's going to happen to every single one of us. You know, the body peaks and then it gets worse and worse and worse. Right? It it just that's just how that's how Father Time goes. Father Time is the only undefeated fighter, and Father Time couldn't even beat Tom Brady. It couldn't even beat Randy Couture. It ain't going to beat Chris Weidman. It ain't going to get beat by Chris Weidman. Excuse me. It's the one beating us all.
0: I mean, look, it, it's we, we see this with fires, and part of his uh, comment to ESPN after this was, I'm not done, so I'll be back better than ever. But this was a good opportunity to get back in the octagon. And, you know, Dana White, you know, he said in his post fight press conference, he said, He goes, Look, I love Chris Weidman. I, I love the guy. He goes, But yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him retire. And it, it's one of those things, and, and it's a sad part of this sport, is, you know, for, you know, Ninety-nine percent of, of combat sports fighters, that they they don't get to go out of the sport the way they want. You know, y- you all want to be what Habib Nurmagomedov did and, and George Saint Pierre did, but they're the anomaly in this sport of, of fighters who walk away. And you always go back to that Shell song and comment that the way your career likely ends is you looking up at the lights. And you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But a good win there by Brad DeBar.
1: There's a really good transition point, but we're still talking about the USC. But there's a topic we're going to talk about where it's like, damn, this, there's a real good transition point Ooh, here. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we'll
1: get to it. We'll get to it. But. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. We, will, we will get to that. Uh, guy, man, give some love to Kurt Hallbot, what he was able to do, get that submission. Katona and Gibson had a great fight where – Jeez, Cody Gibson lands 164 significant strikes, 160 uh, for Brad Katona. Uh Gregory Rodriguez getting back on the winning stride. Usually that uh, what he was able to do, only need one minute and 43 seconds. Uh, Give Black Blackshear a lot of credit for stepping up on six days notice, even though he doesn't get the win there against uh, against Mario Batista.
1: You know, uh, it kind of felt, I felt guilty. I felt like Gregory Rodriguez and Dennis Touloulin shouldn't have been booked. Like, I feel like that fight legally should not have happened. (laughs) Rodriguez kicked this dude's ass easily. Like, it was just like he picked him up, put him down, got Mount, beat him up. That fight made me feel sick watching it. I felt like that was a massive mismatch. And I'm like, come on, commissions. Let's not legalize these types of fights because that just felt like a WWF 1980s Hulk Hogan taking on the jobber. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez, Robocop looks great. Look, the Ultimate Fighters, uh, these were two really good finale performances, man. I think that's what happens whenever you have UFC fighters in the Ultimate Fighter is yeah. you get a UFC caliber fight. Main, uh, Gibson Katona, nice little homage to Griffin and Bonner. Hollowball Hubbard, hollowball dropped the first round, I believe. And then he came back, got that triangle choke, nice little transition to get into there. Uh, To me, the highlight of the card outside of the main event, was the two ultimate fighter fights,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and this is actually a season the ultimate fire I, I've watched more than any season in 10 plus years. I mean, maybe even going long back longer than that. So, uh, of course, you know, we're, we're going to continue to see the ultimate fighter. I mean, dana West contender series was last night, four of the five winning fighters get contracts. Current UFC fighters, you better be watching this contender series because uh, UFC signed a lot of fighters here now. You speak about things that are, are related to UFC two ninety two and, and the Ultimate fighter. Of course, Conor McGregor was not in attendance uh, on Saturday night, but Michael Chandler was. Michael Chandler, you know, talked to the media. You know, he kind of talked about the whole Usada thing with Conor McGregor, and so McGregor, you know, apparently, he, you know, he loves to do the audio uh, thing on, on X, aka Twitter, and uh, so he, Conor had this tweet. The other day, and it was transcribed by MMA Junkie, where he said, quote, they're not going to let me fight in December. Ladies and gentlemen, you've seen Chris Weidman. Imagine what that injury is. I feel like I'm being kept from my livelihood, and I've been following this for years. I'm not going to air grievances. I'm going to boy down and shoulder on. I'm ready. I want an announcement for UFC 296 on December 16th. I've given everything. So that's not going to happen. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. And then he had a tweet uh, yesterday where he said December is back on the table. And so, and then also I did see another tweet where Connor was saying that he was misquoted. I'm going to say whoever wrote the story for MMA Junkie quoted it accurately. I'm just going to say they quoted accurately, but it's like, come on, Connor, you know why? They, this fight's not booked for December. You know why? Now Michael Chandler brought up the point of, hey, what's the big deal if a guy can step up and sign with the UFC and fight on six days' notice and not go through four months of testing? But it's like, come on, Connor, there's clearly a reason you have chosen not to enter inside a drug testing pool. There's a reason. Now look, I would love to know what the conversations are like between Conor McGregor. His team in USADA. What's really going on here? Because Connor or his team have never come out and said why they haven't re entered the USADA drug testing pool.
1: Powerful people like to live in their own reality. And for the most part, they get away with it because they have enough people that are their fans that just believe whatever they say. Connor McGregor is attempting to do that here. He has attempted to put wool over the eyes of the MMA fan and pretend like the reason why he's not fighting is because is not because he's juicing. It's not because he's avoiding drug tests. It's clear. We've been calling it out since day one. Conor, when are you going to join the USADA pool? When are you going to join the USADA pool? Conor, this isn't some air, some grievances, bullcrap you're trying to distract people from. This is the fact that you look dramatically different physically since you received your injury and you have avoided the testing pool. And, w- and everybody has been calling it out for the longest time. Take some accountability. The reason why this fight isn't happening is because Conor McGregor has been running away from drug tests. He was hoping the cult of Conor McGregor would allow him to get this December fight and not play by the same rules that every other contracted UFC fighter does play by. Again, those fighters in the Contender Series, they aren't contracted UFC fighters any either. But my, my last point is that I am stunned that Conor did not get away with this. I thought he was going to be able to get away with this. So kudos to the UFC for making sure that Conor goes in the testing pool for a decent amount of time. But let's call it how it is. I believe Conor McGregor cheated, and I believe he was trying to avoid getting caught, and that's why he's not fighting December.
0: I, I won't go that far, but I wonder, was there something he was prescribed – to rehabilitate himself from this injury that he knows is on the ban list and that sounds like cheating is there i mean the, the question you have to imagine <laughs> that they have done some testing on their own and may, you know who knows i don't know but the, i say this all the time perception is not reality but Connor McGregor and his team have to realize the perception of why you have not re-entered the you saw a drug testing pool. Is there something in your system that's gonna cause you to test positive?
1: Yeah. Yeah, this fight would have happened. And for Chandler, of course he wants this fight to happen. He probably wants to fight a juiced up Connor. He don't care at this point because hey, guess was, what? That, that, money, payday, bro? <laughs> that money is gonna transfer regardless. It's gonna transfer regardless. I mean, people do crazy things for money. Francis is going to fight Tyson Fury, and it's going to suck for him. But he's going to get that bag. Mm -hmm. And who knows, maybe Tyson's going to completely lay an egg. You never know. I mean, Tyson's probably going to kick his butt. But also Tyson Fury's at that point in his career where, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Gypsy King just completely, like, lets it go. And he just shows up completely not, you know, not with it, not motivated. And then Francis gets lucky. But it's all about that bag for Chandler. UFC's all about that bag, which is surprising. But at the end of the day, don't let Connor's comments distract you, kind viewer. The man was running away from a drug test.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. By the way, you know, you mentioned about there was something that would have been an easy transition for us to talk about. So I guess we'll just because Connor did respond to this person because obviously this person and Connor were at one time I guess you would say business associates because Connor does have a, a piece of Paradigm Sports Agency and that is Tony Ferguson and Tony Ferguson tweets this and I when I saw this Daniel I was just in amazement. He goes and he and it's 10 points that he brings up. Point number 1, haven't sparred good since Barbosa or Thompson. 2, only time i find myself in a cage is when i fight three since pandemic none of this shit has been fun four i used to smile a lot more when i was competing five been so busy taking care of others instead of myself number seven um i miss. i guess i missed number six here in our screenshots here number seven created boundaries between those who are bad for me. Eight, constructed myself so I don't make the same mistakes. Nine, I'm not retiring and fuck those who think I should. Ten, I have work to do and I'm one pissed off m Okay, Daniel. I mean, is there no one around Tony Ferguson that goes, hey, Tony, you do realize there are going to be people who look at your tweet and go, you're goddamn delusional.
1: Yeah. If there are, he may have created boundaries between him and them, according to point number nine. Uh, Yeah, Tony's in the Diego Sanchez zone, you know, where it's just weird tweets. I mean, what I see here, It's just a lot of um, excuses. I mean, Tony's had four years to get it together. And, you know, something went wrong in his process in 2020s as the pandemic started. And it resulted in six straight losses. And it couldn't have come at a worse time because similar to Chris Weidman, he also physically is in that point where his body is starting to let him down. He's 39 years old now. So you combine your process getting out of whack to where you no longer have that same process that got you to become up here with Habib as one of the top two lightweights in the world. That process falters as your body begins to decline. It's a bad combination. It leads to six straight losses. And now this sport is brutal, bro. There is no beautiful comeback story in this sport. There are occasionally. Robbie Lawler was able to go out on a high note, but by and large, things don't end well. And, yeah, Tony's tweets just look delusional.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things I sit there and just go, we have to judge on what we see on fight night. And when you look at this 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 lose, six-fight losing streak, what have we seen on fight night where we think that Tony Ferguson of 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016 is magically going to walk into the UFC octagon? And I just – If you look at the criticisms that a lot of people have had for Tony Ferguson over the years, one of the criticisms has been, does he have someone in his inner circle that's not that yes, man? Someone that's being honest with him. And what have you seen out of his past couple fights that make you think this guy can you know, go in there? I mean, and if the UFC is going to give him another fight, let's just be honest about it. The UFC is going to put him up against a killer in this division. They're not going to put him up against a guy that they think he can look good. I mean, I'm just pulling up the UFC lightweight rankings right now. If you tell me they're going to give Tony Ferguson another shot, they're going to give him another fight. Why do I see it like... They're going to give him someone like a Grant Dawson. I mean, right now, Tony Ferguson is not even ranked in the top 15. And this is a guy at one time that a lot of people believe was either number one or number two fighter at 155 pounds.
1: He shouldn't be fighting the top 15 UFC fighter, bro. Um, like, who, who do you put know. him up against then? I don't know. Patty Pimblett. I don't know. Oof. Is that is that lazy? Is that lazy to book up against Patty Pimblet? Everyone wants to book up. I mean, I don't know Terence McKinney. Give him Terence McKinney.
0: I, I'm just I'm pulling up the lightweight rankings and, or lightweight division just to see. I mean, I look. I I think those are two good options you present there. I mean, has, um, has he
1: fought Jim Miller before? Uh, no. Do that one at UFC 300. Yeah. Give him give him a whole year to prepare. Uh, go out on a high note, give me Jim Miller, Tony Ferguson, Michael Johnson, Tony Ferguson. Those are the types of dudes he should be fighting.
0: Yeah, I, I just – it's just one of those things you look at that tweet, it's just like, man, Tony, like, man, like, you just – I mean, I get that there's a lot of things we don't see with athletes that happen behind the scenes, but you look at him right now and you just go, like, Tony, man, like – I just don't magically see you turning it around. Like, if I sat there and said, who in the top 15 would you give him a chance against? I mean, and I'm just going to pull up the lightweight rankings here again. Like, like 15, Diego Faheya, 14, Matt Favola, 13, Anato Mankano, 12, Jalen Turner, 11, RDA. Maybe RDA would be maybe the fight to make. If RDA wanted to come back down to 55, Grant Dawson, Dan Hooker, Arma Sarukian, Matias Gamra, Rafael Fizio, Michael Chandler. We already saw Chandler knock him out. Benil Darius, Dustin Poirier, Gaethje. We saw Gaethje do him. Charles Oliveira. And then of course, the champion is on the Like as I, if I was going to give me anyone in the top 15, I think RDA would be the fight that would make the most sense. If RDA wanted to fight at 155 again.
1: Yeah, but this dude just, this dude just lost to a, uh... Bobby Green. RDA is the most winnable fight, but that's because RDA looks like he's, you know, he, he's close to getting into that retirement age as well. Bro, what the hell happened to Gregor Gillespie? Didn't he retire? Did he retire?
0: I thought for some reason he retired.
1: Oh, he was supposed to fight Brad Riddell at a fight night
0: card. He, re- I guy. feel like he retired at one point.
1: Yeah, he hasn't fought since 2021. Uh but I think he's coming back, bro. Thirty-six years old. Now you see that's the type of killer that you would put Ferguson up against. Uh he I think he's gonna come back to the UFC, bro.
0: Yeah, I mean that That one does make sense.
1: Yeah. Wow, I completely forgot he existed. I was just looking at the UFC lightweight roster because like I was like thinking his fight's gotta be against a non top fifteen guy. Yes, RDA is the one guy in the top fifteen where it's like he probably doesn't belong there anymore. But again, six straight losses, last loss to Bobby Green. Let's let's do this guy some favors.
0: Yeah, I just I I think the question more is if you're UFC, do you want to stay in the Tony Ferguson business? I mean, and Tony's one of those guys that I feel like He's gonna fight till absolutely no one is going to give him a fight offer. I mean, that's just I think the reality uh, that that we live in in terms of it. And, and look, it's something that we see a lot of times in combat sports. By the way, in terms of uh, notable news items this week, I don't know if people saw the major developments in the antitrust lawsuit. And you know, there's guys uh, and well, that I follow to try to follow this information. John Nash, Paul Giff, Eric McGracken, all those guys do a great job in covering this one. But if you did not see the updates in the antitrust lawsuit over the past couple of days, uh, John Nash I talked about this. He had a tweet where he said so at today's status hearing, judge apparently announced one He wants to fast track Lee versus Zupa trial for March of April, barring a Ninth Circuit picking up the appeal. Two, unseal everything. Three, plaintiffs can pursue injunctive relief. Four, start discovery for Johnson versus Zupa as a separate case. Now, that's Cajun Johnson who has his lawsuit. And this is for fighters, I want to believe, that fought in the UFC. From 2017 and beyond, so th- this is a major development in terms of what is going on here. Also, uh, John Nash uh, had this tweet, and, and I'm going to put the uh, the link to his comments uh, in in the show notes here, where he talked about this clause in the UFC fighter contracts that were w- was in relation to uh, fighters creating their own businesses and and potentially the role that Zufa can have in there. He did a podcast a couple months ago where he really talked about this. I'm going to put that there in the show notes so people can uh, check out exactly what John Nash had to say, but it was something that people were talking about there on social media over the past couple of days. But obviously this is massive news in terms of, and to me the part where in that tweet that stuck out to me the most was unsealing everything. We're about to find out a lot of stuff that's been going on, on on behind the scenes and I do wonder how many people in this industry who have testified in 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 terms of so far in this litigation that might be sweating a little bit of how they may look.
1: What are some of the things you might we might see when things are unsealed?
0: To me the most interesting thing is what about communication between the UFC and managers? Are we going to find out truly that there are managers who have not been necessarily looking out for the best interest of their client, more looking out for the best interest of their personal business and having a good relationship with the UFC.
1: Yeah. That to me is the elephant in the room and that should be pretty crazy.
0: And if people have been noticing. Sean O'Malley's been talking about the 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 crappy things management companies do. He's talked about at some point he's going to be full disclosure about it. Aljamain Sterling talked about it. When, when Sean O'Malley started talking about it, I'm pre- i I think I know who he's talking about. Gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this thing plays out. And um and I forget whether it was Aljo or O'Malley. It might have been O'Malley said where he was like. He's like, hey, I'm not saying don't sign with a management agency, but you need to have a lawyer look over that contract you're signing with the management company. And I, I have seen some management contracts. I, I've been floored with some of the things that are in there that fires agree to.
1: Yep, that's the most important thing. Let's say it again. If you're a fighter, listen to this podcast. Listen to what Sean said there. I don't care what contract it is. If anyone in the industry is putting a contract in front of you, you hire an independent lawyer to look through that contract and communicate to you what's in there. Yeah. Because these big ass contracts have all types of language, similar to what John was analyzing, where maybe people were overreacting a little bit. But the language is in a lot of these contracts that theoretically gives the person you're signing a deal a lot more ownership over stuff that maybe they could act upon if they don't. Get a lawyer when you sign a contract. They're looking to screw you. They ain't looking to do you any favors. They're in a contract on like page 17 where there's like a, ooh, you get free pizza on Fridays. Like, nah, dude, that whole contract is designed to screw you over. They're just hoping you don't figure out how you're getting screwed.
0: Yeah, I was listening to what John was talking about on his podcast, and, and when he was talking about that clause, it was from a podcast like three months ago. And he's like, he's like, look, I've reached out to multiple lawyers, and he said it's it's very the the, the language is vague, and you know that's kind of when you're talking about signing some you know some type of contract, you really don't want vague contracts out there. And and look, I mean and. That is a smart thing, just like you said. If you got to, you know, have a a lawyer read over that contract and have that lawyer give you what, what dumbify this contract down for me, please. You know, if I'm going to my guy. I'm going, hey Billy, uh, can you read this thing for me and explain to me what this really means? Because there's some words in here I don't know what the hell they mean.
1: Yeah, yeah, these are simple ideas. that get lawyerfied and they make it sound all complex, so they don't know how they're screwing you. Simple as that, Simple but it's
0: that. it's a major development, and and I, based on the people I follow, I, I think that when the, they had this court hearing, they weren't expecting all of a sudden, hey, we're fast tracking all this stuff up to March and April of next year, and boy, this is going to be, you know, this has been a, a long, long, this has been a long process uh, of this antitrust lawsuit, and it's it's a major thing. I will say this. If you are a person running an athletic commission, commenting on this on social media is probably not in your best interest.
1: What did Tony come and (laughs) say?
0: You already know. I I forget the exact comment. I saw it. I'm like, bro, like you're a goddamn regulator. Like there is no benefit. Like at, at some point. There is going to I, – I, at some point, the governor of Colorado is going to call up Ari Emanuel and go, hey, man, why can't I get an event in Denver? How much is it going to cost me to bring an event in Denver? And he's going to name a price, and then he's going to say, oh, by the way, that guy is running your commission, fire his ass. I, I, I don't get – there's sometimes like – and I've learned this over the years. There are times where you just don't tweet what you think. It's not in your best interest. And I don't know how there's no one – there's not someone around Tony Cummings going, hey, Tony, you commenting publicly on, a, on the UFC antitrust lawsuit is not in your best interest. I don't, yeah. I, I don't get it, Daniel. I, I, it, it's one of these sayings where you, you want to do the SMH emoji of just like, like, what are you doing, man? Like, I, I, was- I, I, I truly I, – I. look, I truly believe Tony Cummings wants to help evolve this sport problem is he's on an island by himself with, with some of the things he wants to do
1: yeah yeah some people just can't get out of social media man
0: dude as i've gotten older i've just realized like there, there's some there's some things i see on social media that i got i want to comment on i'm just like ah, can't do it
1: can't do it yeah you just gotta keep it keep it to yourself man keep it to yourself and your inner thoughts
0: yeah, I mean, you have to. I mean, like, I, there's just there's just some of these times I, I just see these things. I'm just like, oh, my God, what is going on? By the way, uh, I should uh, note, um, so uh, yesterday I'm, I'm sitting here in the office and trying to get some things done, and then I'm like, I get this email from the PFL of the weigh-in results. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. They're waiting on a Tuesday for a Friday show? No, no, no. PFL is tonight. So true story, had no goddamn clue PFL was tonight. And this is a fight card I really love.
1: Yeah, it's a great fight card. I mean, last weekend we had um, four first-round finishes in all the playoffs. Uh, Henan Ferreira beat my boy Maurice Green, whose dreams of fighting Francis Ngannou have been dashed. Uh, Larissa Pacheco runs through Elena Kalisnik. I mean, Larissa Pacheco's entire tournament run is probably going to be encapsulated in less than five minutes. Uh, Dennis Goltsoff gets the win over Jordan Heiderman, and Marina Makhnaktikina is going to be the person who will be Larissa Pacheco's victim in the finals. But this Wednesday,
0: <laughs> I'll tell you. So literally, we got back from the Yankees game, went to the hotel bar, and the Pacheco fight starts. My buddy next to me goes, "Holy shit, bro! The fight's already over. It's like over in fifteen seconds." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Larissa Pacheco is honestly doing like some good work, bro. She's she's one hell of a fighter, dude. But he, uh,
0: like, you think about it, if she was in the UFC, what does her bank account look like if she's in the UFC right now? As a comparison, right. to what her bank account looks like right now fighting the PFL? That's I, I, why you fight the PFL, baby.
1: Getting those, getting those big ass paychecks. Well, I mean, this fight card tonight, which this is going to age pretty quickly from when this podcast is out. But uh, so I guess we won't go too too deep into it but like we'll talk about it maybe next week if it's still if these fights are okay. amazing maybe but look sadibusi
0: your boy your, final uh, by by the way his opponent missed weight yesterday missed weight by one pound so he was fined 20 percent of his purse which does go to Sabibussi, and lee will have a one point penalty applied to the final scorecards for his bout
1: so yeah, Sadibusi looking like he's going to get that uh, ability to take on Magomed, Magomed Karamoff in the finals. Yeah, I think Magomedkarimov and C are, are the heavy favorites. Albin Mercier, I think, is a pretty heavy favorite against Bruno Miranda. And I think the fight that's getting me and you all tingly inside is is uh, Collard and Burgos. That is going to be a badass fight.
0: Yeah, so uh, Magomed Karamov is a 8-1 to one betting favorite. C uh, is a minus-166 betting favorite. These are all odds via DraftKings over at bestfightodds.com. Uh, Olivia Abed-Mercier is a five, minus-520 favorite against Bruno Miranda. And Clay Collard is a plus-114 betting underdog against Shane Burgos. I, I would say this. like To me, if you're just talking about this as a combat sports consumer, Obviously, the number one fight for me of the weekend is the main event of the UFC card on Saturday morning here in the United States, of course, over there in Singapore, of uh, Max Holloway and the Korean Zombie. I'd probably say the fight that interests me the most as a Combat Sports fan, the number two fight for me, I would probably say is Clay Collard versus Shane Burgos because you look at the the fighting styles of both of those guys, like... It's just it's a fight that really intrigues me, and so I'm gonna make sure I'm in front of my television set on ESPN tonight watching this fight because I think it's 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 it should be. It, I mean, you know, obviously it could be boring, but it should be a very entertaining fight. You
1: know what? I would almost say there's one other fight that I think might be the most interesting fight the whole weekend. I would put Collard Burgos at three. I would put Holloway Zombie at two. The reason why Holloway Zombie is at two is because I'm really confident Holloway is going to win that fight. Like, I feel like Holloway is a lot better right now than Korean Zombie. So that takes away the intrigue of who's going to win. What makes the, both this fight and the collar fight awesome is you know they're going to be barn burners. Number one this weekend, in my opinion, is Aaron Blanchfield and Talia Santos. So okay. like Talia Santos has been a very long time since we've seen her fight, but she nearly beat Valentina Shevchenko. So she's back at it, going up against Aaron Blanchfield, who looks like she's just on that – and that expressway to a championship fight she gets another upgraded opponent from Jessica Andrade. so we get to see if talia santos is the real deal we get to see if aaron blanchfield is going to fight for a championship next blanchfield santos that's my number one fight this weekend because that fight actually has some questions that will be answered with burgos and collard that's more competitive i can go either way on who i think is going to win but I don't think either guy has potential to be the best fighter in their weight class. With Blanchefield Santos, Blanchefield has the potential to be the best flyweight in her weight class.
0: And by the way, if you have any uh listening or watch this on Wednesday, the PFL card tonight, the prelims will be at 6 30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus. Main card starts at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, you got those um, semifinal matchups in the lightweight and welterweight division. Also, you got uh Ali Walsh, uh, another amateur fight for him. He's actually gonna kick off the main card, which will be on ESPN. Also be simulcast on ESPN Plus as well, if you're looking to take that one in. But you know, you talk about that Saturday UFC card early morning start here in the united states prelims start 5 a.m eastern time so 4 a.m down the rio Grande. i'm gonna guess one percent chance you catch any of the prelims
1: zero percent chance zero percent <laughs> chance my man but i will watch it all well catch them live catch them and- live i mean i'm gonna watch them on tape
0: Okay, look, I I will not get up uh, on Saturday morning at, at 5 a.m. to watch these ones because I've got a Buccaneers broadcast that day, So uh, and I won't leave the stadium until probably about midnight on Saturday night. So, yeah, I'm not getting up at, at 5 o'clock in the morning to watch it. But I will be up by 8 a.m. to watch the main card. You know, and kind of a, a sneaky good card here that we're getting on, on ESPN. Uh, on ESPN plus I should say a part of this card. Of course you mentioned about the you know Holloway and, and Zombie, but you, you look at this one, you mentioned about Blanchfield and Santos. Also uh Chikaze taking on uh You got Smith and Span a part of this one as well. And of course Holloway and Korean zombie. I mean Max Holloway is a minus seven fifty betting favorite.
1: Pretty crazy, but it's well it's well deserved man. Zombie hasn't looked too good lately. Holloway still looks pretty damn good, as evidenced by his last fight. I think Max is going to win. It's going to be high volume. I think it's going to be a second round finish. I think Chikadze and Caceres is the type of fight that makes this main card really pop. When you have that Chikadze Caceres fight, boom, that's a good little main card filler. blanchfield Santos is good. Smith spans a nice little light heavyweight matchup. Smith desperately needs that win. And uh, Renya Nakamura, Fernie Garcia at Bantamweight. That is another high-quality fight with two Bantamweights on the rise. Those preliminary fights, they suck. But the main (laughs) card, main card is great. Main card is great. I'm excited for this main card. I'll be watching everything.
0: yeah, I mean, like well, like the prelims. I mean, I'm always a guy like likes the Inch Quantified. I mean, just 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 love his fighting style there. Uh, Garrett Arnfield, a guy that I've got a chance to get to know over the past couple of years, he he's a part of this card. Billy Goff, another one I've had a chance to talk to over the past couple of years. But yeah, to me, it's all about that main card. Um, by the way, Nakamura, a eight to one betting favorite against uh, uh, Fernie Garcia here. Uh, but but to me, like it, like if I was gonna rank these fights on Saturday. To mean one going top four here, I would go Holloway, Zombie, number one. Number two, I think you got to go Blanchfield and Santos, especially what it means for that division. Three, I would go Jakadze, Ciceros, and then four, I would go Smith and Spam.
1: So I'm going one, Santos, Blanchfield, two, Holloway, Jung. Three, Chikadze Caceres, four, Nakamura, Garcia, only because like, I want to see the Nakamura. I'm just a little more interested in Nakamura more than I am in the future of Smith or Span. And then, yeah, you could talk me into like Chitty and Michael, but we're kidding ourselves. If I, mean, I think the biggest fight this weekend isn't even an MA fight. I think it's got to be Usyk versus Daniel Dubois, which is a pretty big boxing matchup. And I think when it's all said and done, that might be the fight in the combat sports world that gets the most publicity.
0: Yeah, I was actually in terms of what I do on the on the daily working in in the uh, the restaurant industry. I noticed that uh, the Usyk fight's actually part of ESPN Plus for business. It's not a traditional pay per view, which I was like, oh well, we'll have we'll have it at the bars <laughs> because we've got ESPN Plus for business. Uh, primarily, primarily we have it because of the UFC there. Um, also, I'll mention uh, you know coming up next week on the Contender Series, uh, a couple of guys that I am very familiar with that'll be a part of it, uh, Mitch Ramirez. He was one of the guys that got booted from the Ultimate Fighter for Connor to bring the guys he wanted in on the show. Uh, he's been training in Las Vegas for, for a while now, uh, originally from Utah, uh, undefeated fighter. Also, uh, Chandler Cole, you may remember him from the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I've interviewed Chandler uh, countless amount of times. In his career, actually, uh, I did watch. Uh, I was watching the Contender series last night as uh, I was sitting there, and you know, I, I was doing a fire interview the other week, and they talked. They told me about how they love playing Monopoly Go. So I was, I downloaded Monopoly Go last night, and I was playing Monopoly Go on the iPad while watching the fights there. So it was uh it was an entertaining night of fights, you know, and uh, you know, the, the only thing, the only thing I, I really despised about the contender I I shouldn't say despised about the contender series but it really is a way for the UFC to uh, add in cheaper contracts and potentially get rid of uh, fighters who are carrying a little bit of a bigger show money
1: I uh, it's transparent it's clear it's messed up but it's going to keep on happening it's going to keep on happening man
0: and cuz well also our thing is is these fighters know how much more money they can make fighting on the contender series and fighting for Joe
1: j- Show regional just, show
0: yeah just name the regional show i mean it's just it's it's the reality of it also you know another thing i want to bring up I, you know, I mentioned about how i love that the for you section on, on x aka formerly known as twitter is people were comparing and notable people in the, in the mixed martial arts media industry, comparing what the live gate was for UFC 292 in comparison to the past couple of events that have happened in Boston, are these people just not paying attention to the cost of going to a UFC show in 2023? Like, we've talked about here, like, the average mixed martial arts consumer, I just feel like because of, I, I, I want to say, the cheap ticket to get into UFC 292 was
1: $600. That's crazy.
0: Like, I, I feel like, are, are we just the rarity of people that are sitting back and noticing that for a good portion of the MMA audience, they have been priced out of going to a UFC event? I'll tell you this right now. Like, I feel like I live pretty comfortably financially. But, like... I'm not I'm I'm telling you this, I'm not showing out six hundred bucks to sit in a nosebleed seat to watch MMA event. I'm sorry. No, no way. No way as hell. Like, look, I'm debating whether I'm gonna drop six hundred and fifty dollars a ticket to go to FSU L S U next weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, Dude,
0: no. Did, did you hear what I just said? Six hundred and fifty dollars to sit lower level.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. But yes, people are priced out. People are going to spend half a thousand dollars to go to your show. That's a lot of America that is priced out of being a mixed
0: martial arts fan. We, and we, and we, we do. We, we've talked about this over the years of just the, the cost of being a mixed martial arts fan. like, I, I just, it, it's just, it's a tweet I saw. And I'm just like, if you're a notable member of the MMA media, is this just something you're not paying attention to? Like, it, it, it's just... It's very expensive, and look, kudos to the UFC—they can get these price points. And, and I think the UFC, if you, you look at this business model, they because of clearly they're not stopping these Apex cards; they're going to continue to do these UFC Apex cards. They've created, you know, a, a demand for live events, and that people are going to pay it. But like, I, I just to me, I couldn't show out that kind of money to watch a no. UFC event live. I, 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 if you told me. Hey, Jay, you can sit, you know, middle 100 section for three, $400. I'd probably do it, you know, because I think that's the best seat in the house to so watch a UFC event. But like that seat's like $1,200, $1,300. Like, nah, man, I'm, I'm either going to sit at home in front of my television set and watch it or I'm going to go out to a sports bar and watch it.
1: Yeah, man. People aren't going to spend a third of their paycheck for one
0: night in, a, in an arena. And, that, just, and and we're not even counting what you're going to pay for transportation, parking, you know, food, beverages that night. I mean, it's it's an expensive night if you want to go to UFC event. I mean, it, it's just, it's, I think, I, tr- you know, look, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I'm correct in saying this. I feel like the UFC has priced out a majority of their audience with these ticket prices.
1: I think you're right. When you look at the average person that's watching this stuff on t- on TV, on X, on pay per view, those people can't afford it. I can't afford to go to a pay per view and pay that kind of price. No. Most most Americans can't, unless you're making a lot of money.
0: I remember when me and my buddies were talking about going to the uh, the pay per view down in Miami. We saw ticket prices, and we're just like, mm. okay, so we got to get ticket prices. We could drive. That'd be a four-hour drive. So, okay, you know, gas, and we all know what the price of gas is. I don't, I don't know what it's like in the Rio Grande, but, man, we're, like, approaching $4 a gallon here in the Bay Area. I mean, yeah, it is right. – yeah, I fill up my car. It, it's a good – it's about a good $70 to fill up my car at this point. Yeah. But, like, we were, like, looking at it. It's like, okay, so we, we get, get like, a, a suite. That's going to cost us a couple hundred dollars for, you know, two nights go to the event and we're just like man let's just all get together at someone's house and just order the pay-per-view and you know BYOB
1: yeah that and you're going to have a much better time and it's not going to show in your bank account
0: yeah, yeah. dude it's it's just it's it's just one of those things you see on social media that I'm just like I get offering the comparison and contrast of what the live gate was for this one in comparison to other Boston events but it's also like Go look at the ticket prices and how, how different the ticket prices so are. I can remember there was a time where you could get into a UFC pay review. Now, look, I'm dating myself at this point. But I remember we you can get a UFC pay review for like 75 bucks for a nosebleed ticket. Yeah, That ain't happening anymore.
1: No, and it's never going backwards either. I mean, it just won't until the demand goes down. People are still buying these tickets. No doubt about it. People are still buying these tickets. But there's still a portion of the community that just aren't going to be able to afford, afford it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was having the conversation with a friend the other day as we were talking about the FSU LSU game, and we're just like, okay, we, you know, and obviously it's it's a smaller stadium. It's not, you know, it's not like it's in, in you know at LSU or at Florida State where it's massive stadiums. It's it's at the old Citrus Bowl. It's got like forty thousand seats, and I was like, okay, we can get nosebleed seats for like two fifty a pop. <laughs> I'm a little bougie. I'm a little bougie, Daniel. I don't know if you noticed this. I'm a little bougie, you know. And then I was like, right, I, I was like, all right, let me go on Ticketmaster. And let me see what the secondary market is for on the FSU side, lower level. And I'm like, I I don't know if I can justify spending six fifty a ticket.
1: No, no, you, it, it's tough. Because what if your team loses?
0: Oh, and, I, I, know. I, and then I haven't even got a hotel yet. Then what's the Uber going to cost me getting from the hotel to the stadium and back? I, I'm like, as much as I love my Knolls, I, I might be sitting here in Tampa watching that game next Sunday night.
1: I don't know, man. It's the risk you got to take as a sports fan. You know, got to, they might be good this year. You know, can't uh, the we, we, the if
0: the, if the Knowles stay healthy. Has a chance to really be a really good year.
1: Yeah, got a good quarterback. Look, look, yeah. look
0: you're going you're to know how good Forest State is after their first four games because two of their first four games are LSU and Clemson. If uh, FSU is 4-0 oh, after four weeks, you, you already know what that hype train is going to be like. Yeah, man. So maybe
1: you should shell out that money, man. Get 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 your bucks to that game. Well,
0: money, well you know? here's my other thought process. Maybe I save the money if the season goes really well And they get to the playoffs. Now that's going to cost a lot of money.
1: (laughs) I say screw it, buy your tickets, They make it to the playoffs, spend some more money.
0: Yeah. Double dip, Uh,
1: my man, double dip.
0: It's one of those things of like there's part of me that says, you know what, just get the nosebleed seat, get in the stadium, enjoy it. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's a holiday weekend.
1: Yeah, have yourself a time. Have yourself a good weekend.
0: You know. I will say this, man, like there is nothing like a college football game, especially if it's, if it's at a college stadium, you know, the uh, on-campus stadium, bro, there is nothing like it. I I, look, you know, I love football. I love the NFL. I've been a part of the NFL for a while, you know, 20 years now. Love NFL. It is a different atmosphere when you go to a college game on a college. I mean, you know, this going to an A&M game. It's a it's a different experience. By the way, if you've not seen that Johnny Manziel uh, Netflix documentary, you should check it out.
1: Yeah, no, I haven't, but I, I've heard about it. And I know there's one coming out on the Flores team that might oh, that, already be out. It it came out
0: it came out yesterday. I watched episode one. I saw someone on my Twitter on my Twitter timeline get basically noted that uh, there were certain things that were uh, not talked oh, about in the documentary. I guess apparently one of them is uh, Aaron Hernandez is only mentioned once in the documentary, and it's about a bar fight.
1: Well, then that's just, that's a shit documentary then. I mean, that's one of the most interesting, that's one of the most interesting aspects of the entire story.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 that team was wild. I know.
1: Yeah. I still got to watch it though, but still.
0: Yeah, it, it debuted last night and it was it was one of those things that I saw. Yeah, so this is uh this guy Jim Weber where he said he binge watched Swamp Kings on one ass speed and he goes and man how disappointing. Just off the top of my head, things omitted from the doc include. Any mention of it here in her hand is besides Tebow taking blame for their 07 bar fight. Why why I Okay. Tim Tebow taking blame for a bar fight. Uh, okay. Uh anything about the Pouncy twins. Cam Newton's stolen laptop. Percy Harvin attacking the wide receiver coach. Carlos Dunlap arrested before the 2009 SEC championship game. Shelly Myers' 911 call Urban Meyer going to the hospital with chest pains. The entire 2010 season, including Urban Meyer versus reporter Jeremy Fowler, confrontation at practice, Chris Rainey threatening to kill his girlfriend. I will say, I watched episode one. There's a part in his first season where they're basically, Myers talking about, how he wants to figure out who loves football. And they're having these glorified grappling matches where dudes are getting rear naked choked and passing out. Damn. That's and this is like, I mean, this is probably, I mean, I don't want to say his first year was like 05. I'm sitting here going, holy crap, this is wild.
1: Damn. Uh, yeah, I got to get on that. Maybe ne- next time. This dude, there's low. a part I'll where this it.
0: dude gets literally. Because there's a whole thing about you had to, you, you were going up against somebody and the winner was the person who crawled out of the circle. And there's this point, dude is just straight up getting rear naked choked. Guy gets out, dude is passed out, and they're literally smacking him in the face to wake him up.
1: That is insane. But that just shows you we lived in a different world, you know, 15, 20 years ago than we do now. Dude,
0: could you imagine if a high school coach did that right now? He is fired oh, immediately.
1: Okay. He's, yeah, he's famous because he's on the front page of the paper and he's fired and maybe put in jail. Dude. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were built differently back in my age, right? We were yeah, built different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, little, a little tougher. A little it's like, I don't know if you ever see that TikTok video where a guy's like, hold on. So y'all drink water out of a hose? Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you, you, didn't get, you, didn't, you didn't have a Fuji water?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was a different time growing up in the '90s, in the early 2000s.
0: Dude, I grew up in the '80s, bro.
1: 80. Damn, I, even crazier. Even crazier. Dude, Party yeah, man.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can only imagine. Like, what does PE look like now in comparison to the PE I was in when I was in school?
1: No, I'm sure it's a lot easier, bro. A lot easier.
0: Yeah. Like, do Do you think? He, yeah. Do you think you play dodgeball?
1: I don't think so. You get hurt. You get hurt with the ball, you know?
0: Dude, literally, I remember playing dodgeball in elementary school. Like, you weren't aiming. Yeah. Oh, okay, you were aiming for a body part. <laughs> you were aiming for the head of the balls. <laughs> you know, we, you weren't trying to hit somebody in the stomach. You weren't trying to hit him in the heart. You are like, no, I see that target area. That target area is your head. And look, yeah. I've got a big fucking dome. There's a big target area here. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and that hurt.
1: That hurt, and it was embarrassing. But it was it was amazing when you were successful.
0: Like, do they but still have it, jungle gyms at elementary schools? I'm good. I'm saying no. I'm saying no. Yeah, I don't
1: know either. But uh, those were fun as hell. And You played some crazy ass games of them.
0: Yeah, but uh, of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for uh, this episode of the podcast. Of course, I got a ton of MMA to take in. Of course, tonight you got PFL. Saturday we got uh, we got the UFC early start time. You know, I'm, I'm digging that. You know, I can get up, watch a little MMA. Then head over to the stadium for the final preseason game of, of the year. You know, then we go uh, Minnesota week one for us. I, I, are you feeling good about your Texans still?
1: Absolutely not. They suck. <laughs> but I'll be watching every week. But I, I do not feel good whatsoever. Yeah.
0: Everyone yeah. everyone's got to have optimism heading to week one. Come on, you're not optimistic that CJ Stroud's going to throw for five thousand yards. Yeah.
1: Possible, probably not 5,000, but the rest of our team is shallow, my man. <laughs> Only a couple blue shippers on our team, and when you compare it, I mean, we suck. Yeah, we but, just but
0: suck. you want to know what the nicest thing about uh, being in New York, New Jersey was? What's you, that? you will appreciate this, dude. It was in the 70s.
1: Oh man, yeah, that's that's like heaven. That's like heaven. Can't wait for that for the dude. two weeks that we get that. All
0: right, it is ten twenty three here on the east coast, here in Tampa. <laughs> it is 85 degrees. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's just about
1: the same over here, bro.
0: Dude, yeah, oh. yeah. I literally got in my car the other day, leaving uh, my other studio, and the car said it was a hundred and ten.
1: Yeah, that's what it's like every day in, in the valley. I was like,
0: I was like, oh, like, I swear, I, I say this every year, man. I go, it's never been this hot in Tampa. It's never been this hot in Tampa.
1: Every single year. And without fail, it gets hotter and hotter and hotter.
0: Yeah, but of course, uh, we're hoping it gets hot in that UFC octagon. Come up here on Saturday morning there in Singapore. Max Holloway, Korean Zombie. Of course, as always, appreciate everyone tuning in for episode of the podcast. We'll be back next week to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts.